You're listening to episode 235, Elevate Your Career with Aaron Urban. Really cool. You know, value, value, value the pause. I call it the art of the pause. Yeah. Value yeah. the pause. And whether that be the pause that you create and self-reflection. Because again, as I mentioned in the book, um, self-reflection is a growth tool. Yeah. You know, just like exercise. And, and when you're doing athletics, you don't build muscle in the moment. You build muscle during rest and restoration. Yeah, that's true. Reflection. The same thing, you know, when the growth cycle mentally or anything that you're going on that involves intellectual, it's, we don't, we do not learn through experiences. Experiences is not the best teacher. It's evaluated experiences. Mm. Actually reflect on that. And, and in yoga, you'll notice that a lot of times they'll focus on the breathing, the breath between the movement is just as valuable as the movement itself. This is the dance of life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Happy Friday to you. Today is Friday, March 26th, 2021. Almost the first end of the first quarter of 2021. Pretty crazy how time flies. What have you achieved with it? Three months have gone by already. Let me know. I'm curious. Today, Ariana Huffington, take it away for us. Fearlessness is like a muscle. I know from my own life that the more I exercise it, the more natural it becomes to not let my fears run me. Such a great quote and reminder that you ultimately have to act even when you are afraid. You know, this is kind of like that quote from uh, John Wayne, right? Fear is, or courage is having the fear and saddling up anyway. And ultimately, you know, whatever you do, you have to start it at some point. You have to start it. And whether that's a workout, that's a business, that's a new relationship, that's a new endeavor, whatever it is, you have to start. And it's the starting that matters. And the starting and the repeating, that is what flexes and trains your muscle. Today's professional landscape is changing pretty drastically, you know, with all the technology improvements that we've made, as well as the ever-shifting political and economic world as well. All the things that are going on, I'm sure that you're aware of that we don't need to be mentioning. But put simply, work just isn't the same anymore. You know, all the things have changed. Everybody's working from home. It's a lot that is uncertain. But some things never change. And that's the kind of stuff that I like to talk about. And that's why today's guest on the Dance of Life podcast is a great resource on timeless topics when it comes to those kinds of things that don't change, meaning confidence, success. Uh, how to advance forward, how to eliminate limiting beliefs, how to build good habits, and how to really reach your full potential. Those types of things never change. They're timeless. And today, my guest, her name is Erin Urban. She's a certified career strategist and coach, helping experienced professionals remove career roadblocks. 
unlock their potential, and elevate their careers. She's an international speaker, behavioral scientist, and the host of the Career Coffee Chat podcast. She's also the author of Elevate Your Career, More Impact, More Income. Erin is a Forbes Coach Council member and a self-proclaimed recovering perfectionist. Hey, that's me too right there. With over a decade in mentoring and coaching successful professionals, transforming them on one-on-one coaching and also group workshops. Today, I'm so excited to have her on the show with me because we're going to be diving into all the things that really matter. You know, I hope that if you've been listening for a while, if you just started listening, one thing that it comes clear through this podcast is that I, I really care about the things that are timeless. Like I said, like principles, things that you will, once you learn them, you can use them for life. This is the stuff that really lights me on fire. That's inspiring. You know, certain things, certainly strategies and hacks and stuff are very important. And especially for health, you know, if you if you're into health hacks, go to my blog. You know, that stuff is full of considerations and and little details and stuff like this. But when it comes to the internal work of our spirit, of our mind, that's the realm of the timeless. And those kind of things are so important to me. They're so much more important than talking about all the little strategies, other things. Those things are important too. But really, if we can figure out how to overcome the things that limit us in our mind, our own limiting beliefs, how to build successful habits, what what to do and when in terms of how we think. You know, all those types of things are so much more important to me. And today we're going to be diving into all of that. Aaron has quite the career helping people uh, with their careers professionally advance and overcome their limiting beliefs. So if you want to get in touch with Aaron, she's at coacheurban.com. And on the show note for this episode, it's episode 235. I'm going to be posting a link to her free work style alignment guide and also a special coaching offer if you want to take advantage of that and kind of elevate your career with Aaron. So if you are feeling a little bit stuck in your career, if you're feeling a little plateau, if you're not sure what to do, if you're just kind of feeling, you know the feeling. And if you know anybody in your life who's also feeling that, make sure you listen to this episode, share this episode with them. There's a lot of great nuggets in here for anybody who is looking to move forward, to take some action, to bring some change into an otherwise stuck professional situation. And I think a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about today applies to life too. So anyway, I hope you enjoy. Share it with your friends. Episode 235, Elevate Your Career with Aaron Urban. Great. And Zoom actually does a pretty good job too because they, they filter out. I have a lot of stuff to take the noise out, but uh, somehow they filter out a lot of the noise too. So I don't know how that works. Yeah. I use uh, StreamYard to go live and do my live shows and podcasts. It does a pretty good job. It is browser based. So if um, my hosts, for example, have a lot of applications open, I have to make sure that they close those down and so I have a cleaner, cleaner um, recording. <laughs> it's called StreamYard. It's called StreamYard, yes. I use it to go live on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube every Tuesday with my career coffee chat show. Yeah, that's cool. I've I've been wanting to get into live stuff. I just, it's like I have so much other stuff going on that I want to feel I have the time to devote to it, you know, to really create some sort of like consistent habit. I'm like, okay, how do I want to do this? Why do I want to do this? You know, exactly. What's the ROI? What's the ROI? You have to be very, very cautious about that. You do. Because. 
it, it's it's interesting. We love to do all the things, and we don't need yeah. to do all the things. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's important to know what gives us energy and what is the best return on investment for us, not only as entrepreneurs, but really for anybody in life. So. And I think it's so important today, too, because we are in an age where I've been writing and talking about this particular point a lot recently, so I'm happy that it came up <laughs> serendipitously. But, um, you know, we have so many distractions in the sense, like so many opportunities, but so many like distractions because of that, you know, like you can do so much with so many different platforms, so many different types of things that you can do, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. I mean, it doesn't really, like you said, it doesn't really matter. You still have to be uh, I call it choreographing your dance of life. You know, like you have to, just like you're choreographing a, a dance number. I mean, really what you're doing is making decisions about what happens, when does it happen with what intensity, right? I mean, so really mm-hmm. you could call that, you know, your whole life's choreography. So I think that today being able to make decisions uh, and being confident as to why you make those decisions is so important. You know, I mean, we have to make so many decisions every freaking day. It's just crazy. It is true. It is true. And I try to ask myself you know, periodically, is this serving me? Yeah. <laughs> is this meeting my goals? Uh, what value does this add? Uh, and does it really matter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there's it's, a lot of things that we take for granted that matter a lot, and we don't put enough emphasis on that. Like hugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I think we all, we all value, or we're not, we're, we're trained to value the obvious, right? I mean, we're everybody that you go everywhere, especially if you're an entrepreneur, I think this is even more so, but I think in general for most people is just we look for what's obvious, which is, you know, measurable things. But like you said, you know, the value of a hug or the value of spending time on your own or, you know, uh, saying no. I mean, that took me, I don't know how many years to learn and I'm still learning it, you know, because it's, you jump to every opportunity and you, you say yes to everything, but like you said, you know, not everything is going to be in alignment with your, you know, with your vision, with what you want out of life, with your self-worth, you know, how much you charge, maybe how many times have we said yes to things that, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not in alignment with how much you would, you know, pay yourself, but you say yes mm-hmm. anyway, because, okay, you know, let me, let me just say yes to the business or the opportunity or the volunteering or anything else. I mean, mm-hmm. how many times we overextend ourselves. Yes, I'm, I'm trying to be so one of, one of my focuses on particularly for 2021 because I certainly extended myself quite a bit in 2020. A lot of virtual presentations, a lot of speaking um, on public platforms across the world, and it was wonderful and completely exhausting. So, <laughs> so I'm focusing on my book launch, which is launching on January 27th. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, to add a lot. Congratulations. Is that your first book? It is my first book, and I'm very nice. excited about that. Congrats. It's interesting. People are like, well, how long have you been writing it? So, well, writing it actually, once you are writing, I guess, from here, yeah, and you're writing the right, right book, see my quote fingers here, um, it flows. It doesn't, yeah. it, it, it's much less effort involved. And when you're writing for something that's in alignment with your heart purpose, with your goal and your mission, vision, values, and your passion, it flows much more naturally. And it's much better structured. If you're fighting yourself or, you know, particularly if you're trying to meet someone else's expectations, whether it's society or some sort of, you know, negative label or mindset that you put on yourself or has been put on there for you, you probably won't find it a lot of fun. (laughs) 
I'll tell you, writing a book is a is a marathon for sure. You learn a lot about yourself in the process. I mean, I don't I don't think uh, I've ever been the books that I wrote, I've written. I'm actually just finished my third one, <laughs> and it was it was not even supposed to be a book. It was supposed to be a chapter in a, a big ass book that I wrote, but then it ended up being another book. So I'm like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> and uh, and it's like, man, you look back at your life before you wrote the book. You're like, holy smokes, I've really changed a lot while I'm writing this book. Like even just in a whatever, how long did it take you to write your book to actually, I mean, I'm sure you've been writing it in your mind for a while, but how long did you actually take to write it? About five months. Five months. Yeah. So would you say, what would you say would be something that's different about you from the period that you, before the book and then now five months later, is anything that changed drastically as a result of writing it? Not anything drastic. And I have to caveat that by saying I'm an avid writer. Oh, okay. Well, then you're always so writing. So yeah. I, I love to write. In fact, yeah. I have a blog series going on right now, and that's a part of my creative outlet. Um, I I come from a long line of artisans, and I grew up as a young child wanting to be an architect, and I was. I was an architect. In fact, I graduated college, and I was an architect for. That's a hard people. profession. It is a hard, particularly for women, um, at that time. And I, I managed over 3 million square feet of uh, commercial office space and renovated that and also put over 875 homes in the ground. And over time, I realized that that's not really what I want to do with the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> my persona did not gel with that culture. And so I moved on into project management and then into continuous improvement. And that's really when my life changed. Mm. In fact, I share in my book one point about mid-transition in project management, I was doing all the right things, um, working really hard, you know, staying late on Fridays, you know, taking that extra project, being super focused on being the quote-unquote best <laughs> at my yeah. job. And I was not getting anywhere hmm. at all. I was not getting that leadership position that I wanted. And I was really frustrated because I didn't understand why, because I checked all the boxes, right? All the things we were supposed to do. And it, I had a 360 degree review about performance review time. And I walked into that review expecting the usual pat on the back and a no significant salary raise. And what I heard was, well, while Aaron, you're great at what you do, we have some concerns. <laughs> That's not what you want to hear, it turns out. And the reason I wasn't getting anywhere was because other people's perceptions of me did not actually align with what I wanted my brand to be or who I thought I was. So who I was inside wasn't being projected externally. I was not authentic to myself. So I was living a lie, basically. I was living for the, you should be this way. And it was hurting me being so metrics focused, being so driven, being such a hard worker, trying to be the best and not really focusing on that, that, that the hugs in life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the interpersonal skills, you know, really focusing on that and developing relationships. And I tell people that I say it in the book, you know, your career success, your life success has much more to do with your interpersonal skills and yeah. much less to do with your technical expertise. So that was my biggest pivot when we we're speaking of pivots. That's where I, my life truly transformed in a period of about three to five months. Wow. And in that time, I also found out that it was called the steamroller behind my back. That was your nickname from everybody else? That was my nickname. <laughs>
Get down to business. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes, I got things done. And Lord, it's helped you if you stood in my way. So, yeah, it was great. Um, and as a product manager was interested, you're oftentimes rewarded for that. But irregardless, I was able to transform from that nickname, a stereotype, into a leadership role in nine months. They actually gave me a leadership role and nine months later. And I say it's almost like a pregnancy. I gave birth to a new me <laughs> and became this new person, quote unquote, new person. It actually wasn't that I was someone inauthentic to myself. I actually was able to kind of remove that shell, that nasty shell that I've been dragging around all this time that you should act a certain way or be this way or, or, or exhibit these traits. And it was all a lie. Mm. And I shed that and I was able to be more authentically me. And guess what? People liked that. <laughs> and I was, you know, really understood the value of developing relationships, caring about people, those tiny moments. And of course, getting things done is important too, but you can't get things done if people don't like you. Yeah. Without other people, right? <laughs> yeah. You can't get things. Well, you can go as I think it's John Maxwell says, you can go fast alone or you can go far with a team. Mm, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So true. You know, we, we, it kind of, uh, especially if you're very achievement oriented, I think we get sidetracked by the achievement, which is the measurable obvious part, but what you don't see, which is more important, which is the non-obvious part is all the people and, you know, things that are connected to that achievement. Uh, you know, like I said, you, you, we all know Michael Jordan, but nobody knows the 99 people behind him that created Michael Jordan. You know, right. we know what we see, but we don't see the, the mountain or the iceberg, however metaphor you want to use under, underneath the person, <clears throat> excuse me. And I think, and I think it's a really valuable point, especially on, on the road to achievement is okay. Can, how can we find uh, fulfillment in, in developing that, that part that's not obvious to us? You know, mm -hmm. I can relate to what you said because it's like, especially in a world full of metrics and, you know, I, I worked in sales too. And certainly I was an entrepreneur too, you know, you're worried about sales and all these things, but ultimately really it's the relationship you have with other people that makes the biggest difference. That's the thing that you can leverage and not in like a manipulative way, but you know, that's really the thing. That's the only thing really can, you can leverage is your relationships. You that's know, so true. what do you think was the, the, how do I phrase this? I mean, you know, we all have like certain drives and things that basically put us in an inauthentic space with ourselves, right? So whether it's feeling like you're not good enough, feeling like you're not liked, feeling like you don't belong, whatever, all these types of things. When you kind of went through this period of, of transformation in your perspective on your career and everything, what was, some, what was some of the things you learned about yourself? Like what was driving you in the past to be that inauthentic person? Good question. One of the things that drove me is the need to prove myself because mm -hmm. at the deep root of it all, most of our unfortunate behaviors or habits stem from something that has happened to us and it becomes unconscious. It becomes a part of our habitual routine. In fact, 90% of what we do is habit. We don't even think about it. And that root was very, very deep within me. It's a feeling of insecurity. Yeah. And that insecurity erupted in a need to control. 
I need to be in control of my environment. I need to be in control of what happens to me. I need to uh, be the best. I need to prove myself because I'm not good enough, right? Um, looking back at, I think it was by my mid to late 30s, I came across this term called daddyless daughter syndrome. And unbeknownst to me, that's exactly what I was suffering from. Now, logically, looking back on my childhood, I had a great childhood. I loved growing up where I grew up. And I was very blessed to be surrounded by grandparents and great-grandparents and a loving family. And my father and my mother divorced when I was two. Our subconscious doesn't care about the logic. Our subconscious attaches to the emotion. So little did I know I was suffering from a lot of outgrowths from that as a part of it. You know, my father didn't want me. Why would anybody else? That kind of thing. Going in in the deep, deep subconscious playbook. And it took some time. It wasn't snap your fingers overnight, but yeah. it took some time to kind of peel back the layers of the onion and understand, OK, what's actually going on in there that's sabotaging me? Why am I acting this way? And it takes intentionality. It takes diligence and it takes a, a real hard look at yourself to have that conversation with you yourself say okay self <laughs> what's actually behind this why are you feeling this way where, where is that feeling showing up is it the tense muscles behind your neck or is it the churn in your stomach or why are you so angry and frustrated all the time why do you let people push you off your center whatever that hot button is for you that then triggers that unfortunate behavior that gets in your way. What is that? Hmm. And why is it there? Because every time it's rooted in something that we don't think about necessarily, we're not even conscious of, and it will sabotage you long-term. Yeah, no, it's, it's so crazy. I mean, like you said, the 90% of our habits are automatic right? I mean, it's when you realize how most of your life is on autopilot. I mean, it's, it's really pretty astounding. I mean, you just the other day I was like cooking something and just going through the motions, you know, just, okay, cut the green onions, do whatever you're doing it with, with your food. And I had this moment where I was briefly aware of just like this, this sort of ongoing Rolodex in my head of like, what do I do next? Okay. And it just, it just kind of pre- um, pre-creates the world in front of you constantly, you know, so you're constantly, we're constantly in this little loop of, of what's next. And, you know, that's, there's obviously a, a reason for that. It helps with certain things. Your brain can't process everything, but uh, that you can be aware of it, I think is the key. Otherwise, like you said, you're pretty much on autopilot 90% of the time. You're on autopilot 90% of the time. We've all yeah. had that time where we've driven somewhere and it's somewhere familiar and we didn't even think about it because we're so preoccupied. You know, you mentioned being distracted and very distracted society earlier. Yeah. I think part of it, you know, because we are so distracted that we tend to lose focus of what's right in front of us. And then suddenly we have that wake up moment, whether that was a pandemic pause, you know, over the last year in 2020, where we just basically had a slap upside the head and we had to wake up yeah. <laughs> to reevaluate where am I in my life and my career? And is this serving me? Is it, is this what I want to do? Is this in alignment with my life priorities? You know, my values, a lot of people were waking up. Um, I did a lot of career clarity coaching. Yeah. I'm sure you were busy last year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and ongoing into 2021 as well. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a, for an unfortunate reason, a good thing that think 
people are starting to wake up a little bit and having that pause because we're just so busy. We don't even think about it. We are just so distracted by a thousand things being thrown at us from every direction, work, life, what's on our phone, somebody just texted me, oh, it's this, oh, my windshield cracked, blah, 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 ongoing, ongoing. And we never take that moment to just stop and reevaluate. Yeah. It's so important. No, it's so true. I, I completely agree with that 100% because, I mean, that's one thing that I'm a big believer in, especially with my background in movement. You know, if you're driving a car at 90 miles an hour and you want to turn, you have to slow down at least, you know, so it's just a principle of movement that if you want to change direction, you have to reduce your speed or at the you know very least stop so you can go in all directions. So uh, to me, I find it uh, very poetic that all that stuff happened last year. I mean, it was a crazy year, obviously, but at the same time, sometimes you need a little crazy to shake you out of the old pattern, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, because otherwise you would just keep going and going and doing the same stuff. So I think it was very viable. Like you said, a lot of people woke up and I think that we're entering an economy where people are, are going to be more conscientious, you know, about, and you can kind of chime in with your thoughts too, about, what you see it going towards, but especially now I think people are much more conscientious about how do I want to like work? How do I want to, why do I want to do this? And what do I want to do? Especially technology now is a lot more, you know, people are making money in all kinds of weird ways and you know, more power to you, but uh, there's so much more freedom to do that. And I think people are becoming more decisive. So I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Absolutely right. You're absolutely on point. People, um, many people, I won't say everybody clearly, but many, many people who have had that time to wake up and start to question what the status quo is for them. You know, this, because when we become so distracted, the problem with it is we allow ourselves, we allow We don't make it happen. It just happens because we allow it. We allow ourselves to drift along the river or the rapids of life. And we're missing the scenery as we go by, by the way. And we're not steering our own boat. And we don't even have a direction we're aiming in in the beginning. So we, (laughs) it's like, we find ourselves adrift. And, you know, 2020, if you want to, use a boat analogy. It's like we suddenly entered from this rapid of life where we really weren't using our our paddles and we really didn't have a a direction. So we just ended up suddenly on this calm lake and there was no wind and no breeze. And we're looking around at ourselves going, what now? Yeah. (laughs) I have to paddle. I have to use my paddles, but they're not going anywhere. Hopefully no sea monsters in this lake. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Hopefully Loch Ness is not inhabiting this lake. And now I have to decide as a human being, as a person, is is this life that I have created, I've allowed happen to me, does it serve me? And Mm. as a coach, one of the things I help my clients do is co-create their life. You know, you, you create your life. Whatever mindset, whatever negative labels you have or positive label, you know, mindset labels you have, beliefs, self-beliefs about yourself, in your decisions, even those micro decisions where you said, eh, no, I really don't need to focus on that. Maybe we could have all of those give us our future. And what's interesting is all driven by the mindset we have and our limitations we put on how much abundance, happiness, and joy we will accept in our life. 
And I think now moving into 2021 and beyond, people are much more cognizant and more intentional about what they will accept and what their boundaries are and what, and they really are searching for that meaning, that goal, that what next, what, what makes sense for me? And most importantly, what will give me fulfillment, not only my career, but in my life, because, you know, your career is a subset of your life. And a lot of us allow it to become the major player, (laughs) which (laughs) does not serve you um, at the end of the day, you know. It's, it's going to be really interesting. I'm really, really curious to see. I mean, never in the history of the world have people as a global unit thought the way they do right now. And mm-hmm. it's going to be very interesting to see either way what the impact will be on the economy, on jobs, on innovation. You know, it's just, it's really fascinating to me because a lot, like you said, a lot of people are in general, people are more introspective. They're questioning more. They're doing more research on things. They're, uh, you know, wondering, you know, especially I remember when, when everything happened with the virus back in March or whatever, and, uh, you know, everybody got locked down and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I went to go get a bike and literally like the waiting lists were like freaking six months, man. I mean, it was just insane. I've ended up fine. I found one on a deal website and I got it, but all the bike stores nearby were just were, were done. Yeah. They were done for like six months. Yeah. And so what's interesting is now people are going out in nature where, where they didn't go before and doing all these traditionally, you know, they sound so simple, but they're, they're really not simple. It's just like mindfully brushing your teeth or anything else. It's, it sounds simple, but it's not, you know, they're doing all these things that traditionally um, helped people find themselves, you know, being out in nature and just spending time with yourself on a walk or a bike run uh, you know, having that time to yourself, that's such a simple formula for really getting those downloads about what is my next step? You know, what's my purpose? What's, you know, what do I want? All these important questions that are so fundamental, but we ignore, like you said, because of the constant distraction, you know, I call it create or be created. <laughs> Either Absolutely. you're doing the creating or you're like, being created. People, you don't design your career or life plan. Someone else will, and it may yeah. not be what you want. Yeah. So we have to be intentional about that. And you're absolutely right because it's just such, it's such a interesting time. And because I choose to, I choose to see it as a beautiful time. Yeah. Cause there is always beauty in, in, in things if we look for them. And I choose to look for that because that's just how I'm wired. <laughs> but there, it is such a beautiful time. I'm seeing so much positive change. I'm seeing people question, you know, traditional status quo type mindsets that does not serve us as a greater holistic good as a, as a people, as a one people. You know, globally, I'm, I'm seeing people, you know, rise up and stand up for the things that they believe in, that they know are right and true and good. And I'm also seeing people take this timing and get back to what is our roots really? What are we here for? What What is that connection to us? Like outdoors, outdoor recreation in the U.S. went through the roof. I'm not sure about globally, but probably so as well. You know, like you, like you mentioned, bike manufacturers were just out of stock. <laughs> I mean, it was just a wonderful time. And we saw more people outdoors walking and jogging and, and you know, enjoying being outside. And we also had um, interesting, we, we got back to our family nexus again. Mm. 
you know, as you know, working moms and dads, instead of just being, you know, oh, I just got in from the commute and bleh, and I'm just not focused on family time. Now they are, and they really have to connect to their kids because they don't have a choice. Mm. So we're seeing a reconstruction of our culture as a whole and really understanding um, what that means to you as an individual is very important. What's important to you now probably is very, very different than what was important to you this time last year. Yeah. It's crazy to think, man. I mean, just a year ago, it's just like, yeah, I came back from a cruise I was on in like the Caribbean. It was like a dance cruise. <laughs> I had got, I think I got the coronavirus on that cruise because I went, it was in December. It was a New Year's cruise. And I went there and I got sick like a dog. And there were people from Europe and, you know, sort of the oh, Eastern yeah. side of the world there. And I, I would not be surprised if I was one of the first that got the, the dang thing and whatever. I mean, I thought it was the flu, but either way, mm-hmm. it was, it people was just, mm-hmm. yeah, it was nasty. And you come back from the cruise and I don't know, it was just like, you didn't really think anything. And then suddenly all hell broke loose. You know, it's just crazy to think that was a year ago. I mean, it feels like we've lived like two or three or five years in the, in the last we've year. We've lived several lifetimes in a very short period of time. And then yeah. that's one reason why I'm launching my book this year. Originally it was supposed to launch in 2020. And then <laughs> yeah. in the spring of 2020, I was like, Oh, maybe not. Yeah. Um, maybe now's not a good time. People, you know, we have cycles. We have thrive cycles and we have survive cycles. And 2020 yeah. is definitely a survive cycle. And elevate your career for more impact and income is to thrive, not just survive, but thrive, really take control of where your career is going and get very, very clear on what you want to do and how you want to evolve as a, as a human being. What's interesting is even though it's elevate your career, it really should be elevate your life. Yeah. Because as I went through that transformation myself and helping my clients do the same, we're seeing, I mean, the stories that come back is like, you know, my wife just loves you as my coach because I'm so much better to get along with. And, you know, or my husband said, oh, you're different. You know, what's what's this going on? And so it's not just in the career, you know, Strata. It's also in our life because our career is a subset of our life. But it's it's really it's really interesting. Um, you know, my pivot point and being real intentional about who I want to be. And realizing that I am the creator of my space, my future, what I want to have happen. I'm not, I, I'm not just a recipient. <laughs> yeah. Things don't just happen to me. You create that. Uh, and, and knowing how much control you actually have. Now, yes, I know control, bad word, but how much influence you have. I was just going to say, I love, I love that you brought up influence. I was going to say exactly the same thing. Influence is, influence is an indirect when you, when you say influence, you acknowledge that you have the ability to participate, but you don't have full control. So you're, you're participating. Whereas control is either do or die. Like you either control right. it or not. It's absolute. <laughs> so I'm, that's cool that you came up with that. Yeah. Influence is, is a part of my tagline to, you know, more impact influ- income and influence and people misunderstand influence. Uh, people misunderstand influence. They think it's manipulation and that sort of thing. And that's a thousand not... followers on, or a million followers on Facebook. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Influence. yeah. <laughs> I have, I have 25,000 followers on LinkedIn. Therefore I'm an influencer. Oh, please. Oh my goodness. 
I'll tell you, it's going to be interesting too with these platforms, everything that's happening, because even this old system of gamification, you know, mm-hmm. to speak to the whole point of authenticity. I'm really, I, I, I interviewed a guy a couple of weeks ago about his, he's starting a platform and I'm seeing a lot of this stuff happening now, like Clubhouse and, you know, some of these other alternative platforms, but uh, his name is Ollie and he's starting a, a platform called Tape Reel. And it's basically, it's like an audio platform, like where you're communicating, like just only through audio messages. So you're mm-hmm. basically, so it's kind of imposing a more authentic sort of communication, you know, with people. It's more intimate, obviously you're using audio. So it's, it's an interesting thing he's doing, but I'm seeing more and more of this, especially now, like with everything that's happening, I think people are wanting just something more authentic. I think this whole social experiment of these platforms and sort of, you know, there's only five and they've dominated the market and it's just become a game of appeasing the algorithm gods, you know, to, to sort of have success rather than, Hey, how about you just be authentic and true to yourself? And what normally happens in the algorithm quote unquote of the universe is that the universe rewards you for that. You're being authentic and you're acting, you know, uh, from your truth. There's a hidden algorithm in the universe that prefers you to do that. And it helps you and supports you. And if you believe that, then everything works out. Uh, And so, you know, I think it's going to go back to that. I'm really curious to see how that's going to work with all the things that are shifting. But I I think that'll also be very interesting to see. I have a little prediction for you. Hmm. So uh, based on some reading that I've um, invested in recently, they say that the AR and VR, so augmented reality and virtual reality, is expected to grow around $30 billion in 2021. And knowing what I know about human psyche and cultural norms and social psychology, et cetera. I predict this moving forward there. Of course, right now we know there's a huge cry and, oh, you know, networking via a virtual reality or in virtual space is very hard. You're staring at a camera. How can you recreate that one-on-one experience, yada, yada. And I know for a fact that AR and VR industries are looking at recreating that. They want to have us in that virtual reality interacting as much as we can with that in-person, quote-unquote, in-person feel. So moving forward, you know, when you go to the office in the not-so-distant future, you'll be donning your VR headset mm. and syncing with your avatar. Wow, what a trip. Can you imagine? <laughs> it will be here. I, I, and I said it first. You heard it here first. <laughs> That's crazy, man. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. There's so much stuff that's constantly changing and it's, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's exciting, but it's like on some level, I really wonder at what point will the rate of change be un like trackable anymore? Like we're just constantly innovating so much. And when you think like, for example, let's say quantum computing, if that, you know, comes online pretty soon, which it probably will, that's going to make things even faster. I mean, I don't know if you saw the, um, what are those like the Boston dynamic? Uh, you know, you know, I'm talking about like, the Boston dynamic robots. They have like the guy that's like Atlas or whatever. And he's like doing flips and stuff. Then they have the dog. I recently saw, I mean, this is blue. My, like the other ones were like, okay, you guys are getting a little scary, but this video that I saw recently was just over the top. I mean, I could not even freaking believe it. So it was, um, how was that song? Do you love me? You know, like the little, uh, old school 50 mm-hmm. something by the, uh, uh-huh. I forget the name. Con- contours or condors or something like that mm-hmm. anyway and so they're playing that song and 
the robot is doing a dance routine, like with taps and snaps and flips and, uh, you know, like dancing, like he's freaking dancing, you know? And so you've got the robot, then the dog comes out and he's doing the Charleston. I'm just like, right. holy shit, this is getting real. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that was just, you know, so that, so my point is like, okay, at what point will these things become, you know, so fast that, you know, we'll lose track of them. I don't know. That's the, that's the Terminator uh, scenario, but anyway. Right. I feel like there will be some division. There will be people who are, and it already is, it already is occurring. Those people who want to go back to nature, want to get yeah. back to um, our, our rooted humanity, if you will, close to mother earth and, and being in alignment with that. And that sort of thing, which I love that, you know, the organic movement and all the, all the more holistic um, outgrowth. And then you have those people who are truly, you know, diving in to digitalization, automization, and they really want to embrace technology and be a part of that. And there's different reasons why people choose those different paths. I prefer a blended methodology. Yeah. <laughs> Leveraging technology as it serves me and then really focusing on my, cause I'm an, I'm an avid athlete uh, and avid outdoor, outdoor nut cyclist as well. What do you, what do, you well. do for uh, sports? Mostly cycling um, yoga. I do um, also some Pilates you know, at home Pilates now. And I used to be a competition salsa dancer. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed. Yes. When, when did you do that? It was about, gosh, now when has it been? About 2008, 2007, 2008. 2008. So it's been a while ago. And I, the only reason I stopped was because I started having low back pain. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the fact funny. that I'm six foot tall, it's very difficult to find a partner. Yeah. That's, that's tough. <laughs> Especially now tall with all the with heels. I mean, you're like, what, six, two, six, three with heels. That's, yeah, that's a tall. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's how I got started too, was with, um, I just took some random class, some dance class at, Arizona State University and got hooked. Yeah. Then 16 years later, I'm on a podcast talking to people like yourself and all these wonderful conversations. It's like, who would have, who would have ever thought, you know, these little things that lead us in different directions in life. That's right. That's it's right. So I do miss dancing quite a bit. I do. Um, my husband, unfortunately, has two left feet, maybe three. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Uh, he's not a dancer at all. Um, so I, I love, I love dancing. And what's interesting is dancing a little off topic, but dancing is one of the number one ways that you can keep your brain cognitively yeah. healthy. Yeah. A lot of studies on that. Mm-hmm. A lot for of Alzheimer's and for uh, dementia too. That's right. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, we have like a senior community here in Phoenix where I live. It's uh, called Sun City, which is huge, huge. It's like the retirement capital of the world. <laughs> talking I'm, I'm serious i think that's the actual nickname for the town is the retirement capital of the world but i used to go up there and do you know gigs i would teach i even do like they would hire me to dance with them you know at the socials and stuff like that and all the ladies who mostly it was mostly ladies you know that's the that's the funny thing is a lot of guys don't really get into it and so it's sad because you see you tend to see more of the degeneration on the male side Yes. because they lose this sort of physicality and coordination and, you know, all these different things. Whereas women usually tend to keep doing things like group classes or, you know, uh, yoga or dancing, that kind of stuff. So I'll tell you, some of the ladies I saw, they were like in their eighties, nineties even, and they were sharp and, you know, 
living their life. And uh, they were just dancing all day, which is like, wow, you know, this is proof is in the pudding right here. <laughs> That's right. That's great workout too. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, part of it was I had to choose when I started getting very into cycling. I'm, I'm actually retired. Um, a, not a pro at all, but <laughs> amateur competitive cyclist. And, um, I had to choose, you know, salsa dancing oftentimes, the competitions, the events, uh, the, the social gatherings are well oh, yeah. into the morning and early, early hours. And uh, when you went cycling, it was first thing in the morning at dawn <laughs> and you had to choose. Very different schedule for sure. <laughs> yeah, the life of a dancer is not by any means traditional. It's, uh, no, not, I, not I used to teach lessons to like nine or 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night sometimes. I mean, it's just... Mm-hmm. Now I don't do that anymore, for sure. It's uh, like I said, it took me a while to learn to say no to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to work after 7 p.m. That's right. That's right. We should all learn to be more intentional about our boundaries and and what you know what is going on. What are we What are we saying yes to? Particularly when we're you know thinking about our goals and what we want to accomplish in life, we love putting more on our plate. More, 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 more. Yeah. How about taking some things off the list? <laughs> There's an idea. Take some things off the list. What can you stop doing? In fact, even in the book, I mentioned, you know, creating your stop doing list. Because mm, oftentimes nice. we have habits that don't serve us um, personally or professionally. And sometimes just by stopping those habits, you make significant changes for the positive. So that's great. I love that. The stop doing list. Mm-hmm. That's a great yes. one. Yeah. Yeah. We tend to see the value again and just the obvious, like, what do I, what's more do I need to do? Whereas how about what can you stop doing? And that'll just by virtue of releasing your, you know, responsibilities, give you more productivity. <laughs> All right. And it releases energy. Um, you're allowed, you know, allowed to now leverage that time and focus to do something else productive. Cause whenever we say yes to one thing, we're inevitably saying no to something else. Yeah. Very true. Mm-hmm. And yes to a lot of other hidden things down the road that we don't necessarily maybe see, you know, like, let's say you say, Oh yes, I'm going to whatever. I'll use a simple example. Yes. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Well, that means you're saying yes to eating better, going to the gym certain times a week, you know, (laughs) saying no to your friends, you know, you're saying you're agreeing to like 50 other decisions that are implicit uh, in that decision. So, but those are usually not obvious to us. And so that's, that's where we get hung up. And we don't tend to break out down those goals into those steps by which will get us to that goal. And that's sometimes where we get hung up. We're like, oh, yes, I want to lose 20 pounds. Or, oh, yes, I want to become a leader. Yet and still, I'm not going to do anything that exhibits the proper habits or skills to be a leader in the first place. (laughs) But I'm going to expect that I get a leadership role regardless. It doesn't work that way. What is is leadership to you? If you could put I don't know, like three, four qualities, five, whatever, whatever you come up with. But what is, what does that look like to you? That is a great question. Leadership, first of all, for me at a higher level is more servant leadership. I'm sure you've heard that term where you exist to support others in achieving their goals. You add value to others and you, unlike management, now management is uh, managing to a metric or mid-level, like trying to make everybody be the same, basically. (laughs) Leadership is embracing individuality and the strengths of individuals. 
to, you know, build up the whatever that, whether it's a company goal or a project or what have you, you know, further fuel that. And leadership is all about giving back. Leadership is a paying forward. So you'll notice there's nothing selfish in this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the problem where most people get completely off track from the word go because they think, quote unquote, leadership is all about them. Mm. Well, to, to really break it down, think of it like this. If you're looking at someone who is a quote unquote leader, they're probably a boss, depending on, you know, how they act. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like that distinction. <laughs> yeah. Um, if, if they are self-serving, if they're not supporting you, if, if they're all about themselves, do would you support them? Right. Probably not. On the flip side, if that person is supporting of you, is adding value to you, sees your strengths and helps you leverage those strengths. Would you support that person? Yeah. Yes. And this, this holds true in all areas of life. We don't necessarily have to have a, a title slapped on our forehead. You know, I am a leader. I am manager, blah, 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 <laughs> to be a leader, to exhibit leadership. Yeah. In fact, every parent is a leader. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> And you don't realize that you're leading your children. Um, everybody is a leader because we all influence other people, whether we are cognizant of it or not. Yeah. So good. I mean, the support thing, it, to me, I relate it to dancing, obviously, because I've been dancing for so long. But in dancing, as a leader, you know, you have to, most of the time, it's really funny, you know, especially teaching, let's say, guys you know, couples to dance, you know, you teach the guy to lead and everything. And leading actually is very difficult to teach mm-hmm. because leading, true leading to, to play to your point is support. And so when you're in a dance with somebody, a good leader spends 90% of the time following the follower and watching their movements, feeling, okay, how is this person commanding their weight? You know, how, what's their vibe? How do they tend to move? What is their restrictions if they have any, what could I possibly lead? You know, so you basically you're really listening and tuning in. And of course you, you also execute with intensity and, and very, you know, strong focus, but it's very much about timing. It's very much about uh, appropriate, you know, the, you know, when, when things are aligned, that's when you strike and that sort of thing. So basically you're never doing anything out of turn if you're a good leader in that sense, you know? And so uh, I think true leadership is the same way, just like you said it, it's really about supporting and, uh, listening to other people, but it is very difficult to get to that point because you, you, you know, we are all very self-centered by nature, obviously. And so I think life has to bop you, <laughs> life has to bop you on the head uh, right. a little bit at times, you know, what, what have you found are some of the biggest obstacles, or I should say maybe limiting beliefs that really prevent people from taking on more leadership in their life. And that doesn't necessarily mean maybe with their career, maybe just in general, just being, because leadership is really a general quality. It's your ability to be vulnerable, to, to put yourself out there, to support others and all that kind of stuff. So what do you have, what have you noticed in, you know, your work with people that, that comes up for people, sort of these roadblocks to leadership? They tell themselves they're not a leader. Mm. They, they don't, they don't see themselves that way. I'll give you an example. Um, one of my clients I was working, when I first started working with her, uh, 
she was told that she did not exhibit executive leadership traits. Basically. Wow. And, and she was up for promotion. It was against her and another gentleman within the organization. So we had a we had a race going on. <laughs> no pressure. But then regardless, when during our coaching conversations, I asked her, do you see yourself as a leader? And she goes, she thought about it. She said, no, actually, I I see myself as a manager. So, well, that's our first problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's our first opportunity. And to shift that thought process to, to leadership, seeing yourself as a leader and understanding that you have responsibility. Your actions, what you say, have repercussions, significant ones, because of further you know, depending on situation, I mean, this could be for anybody. Like I said before, you don't have to have, to have a title slap on your forehead to be a leader. Situationally, often we are all leaders at some point. And the hardest person to lead by yourself is, your, by the way, is yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you are the hardest person to lead. Um, but that's the biggest thing. I mean, we get in our own way all the time. We don't see ourselves as leaders and because we don't see ourselves as leaders, we don't want to take responsibility for our actions and our influence. Mm -hmm. Then we're irresponsible with that influence, which can be toxic and chaotic. You know, it's, it's so important because I think it it really outlines the value of a self-worth practice, right? Mm -hmm. I think we all deal with a sense of, having low self-worth, you know, and that's just part of life. It's a, it's a journey. I think everybody has to go on. Um, and ultimately I think it's the bottleneck to every creative endeavor ever, you know, like a lot of creative work focuses on, uh, like creating, okay, what's next, you know, let's, let's visualize the possibility. Let's create a possibility that wasn't there before in your mind. And all that stuff is great. But what I've found is something even deeper, which is more primal, which is your sense of whether you deserve it or not, you know, mm-hmm. or whether you're worthy of it, whatever, however you want to phrase it. Right. In some sense it's, it's encapsulated around that self-worth. And if you, ha- if you feel that fundamentally you don't deserve it, or you aren't a leader or, you know, whatever that kind of stuff, uh, then being creative is going to be limited because that's the bottleneck. It's, it's like what you believe about yourself. So the question is, how do you, how did you cultivate that for yourself? Let's put it that way. And then how do you help other people cultivate it? That's a great question. I, I, before I get started on that, I'd like to just quote Henry Ford, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one. I love that quote. I love that one. It's one of my favorites. So cultivating that, and it, I mentioned it in my book, actually, there's a whole chapter devoted to the uh, mental atmosphere for growth, because you can have all the processes, you can have all the tools and the tricks up your sleeve and all that that you ever could possibly want. And none of it will do you any good if you don't have the right fertilizer, mental yeah. fertilizer specifically. So for me, prior to that pivot moment that I mentioned earlier in our conversation, if I had not already started the work and uncovering the root cause behind some of my limiting beliefs and self-confidence issues, I would not have been able to make that transition in nine months. It wouldn't have happened. You know, that had to have already started before I would have been ready for that transition. 
Because if it hadn't, what would have happened was that habitual negative belief, that habitual mindset would have reared its ugly head and then made a lot of excuses why that feedback that I was not necessarily so great at developing relationships was all BS and I could ignore it. And this happens all the time, by the way. I mean, it happens all the time. People get feedback constantly. We, we, we develop through feedback. We do not grow without feedback. And we get that. And a lot of times we just discard it. We're like, ah, I'm great. Look at me. Wonderful. I'm wonderful. Which is good. We should have some sense of self. But if we just randomly discard feedback, sometimes we might be overlooking an opportunity. So I already done that work. I already started on down on that journey now had i completed that journey no of course not we're all on that path of growth and development and i think that's a wonderful thing because you always have something to look forward to yeah you know, growth is a wonderful thing you're constantly unfolding something else and you're like oh i didn't know i had that limiting belief about whatever it is i can let that go now and that's such a freeing sensation you feel so much lighter and then you have more choice over what you do and how you act and what intentions you set hmm. does that make sense yeah no for sure i mean it's it's so important to, to see the process i think as a as something that you can eagerly approach you know because i think one thing i mean especially early on i know when i was going through a lot of different things, you know, that you do whatever to, to get better. And you go to seminars and coaching and all these different types of things. And at first it's, it's, uh, you're peeling apart the onion. You're like, Holy crap, this onion goes pretty deep. <laughs> and so it becomes an achievement game. And I think you can get, you can get hamstrung into this whole idea that you have to improve or, you, you know, you have to do something or you have to fix yourself or you're broken or, you know, whatever other, and that in and of itself can become a limiting belief, you know, in this mm -hmm. sense. So, I think it's more, it's very important because you, what you stated is very important, which is when you see a limiting belief or, or something that, you know, you can let go of, it's like, oh, what a joy that I have something I can let go of now. Mm -hmm. So really in that, I think is hidden this, this very important principle, which is to see it as a game, not as an obligation. You know, mm -hmm. personal growth, I think a lot of people that, you know, good meaning and well-intentioned people get hooked on personal growth as an obligation. You know, it's like going to the gym with health. For example, I talk about this with health a lot and you can, you can approach your health from this perspective of obligation in the sense of, I have to count my calories. I have to do all this shit so I can stave off death for another, you know, three years <laughs> or whatever, or you can approach it from, gosh, you know, I have this gift of a mechanism that I'm in that was just given to me for free. And I get to take care of it and I get to learn about it. And it's so precise and it's so amazing. And it's such a gift to be able to take care of it, you know? So there's two ways to approach it. And you know, one is an obligation, uh, you know, to, to keep your body looking a certain way and, you know, whatever else. And another was, is for fun. And I think that's, that's really important what you brought up, which is that, you know, to approach the process from a, a curious and, and joyful even, you know, process, which is not easy, but... Certainly I forget not. who said it, but there's a quote that says, um, think of change as a gift you can give yourself. Yeah. And I really love that quote. Uh, and I, I'd like to encourage anyone listening that instead of thinking that we're broken or we have baggage, or we need to fix ourselves. Think of it like this. We are all whole and perfect human beings. We've just forgotten. Yeah. And in many ways it's, 
just remembering yourself, right? That's what life is. Remembering how to be the best part of yourself. Yeah. Because we were born that way. We're born whole and perfect human beings. And then life happened. (laughs) Your parents told you Santa was real. That was a lie. You know, things (laughs) like that. Of course, I've probably traumatized about half a dozen people listening. Um, Santa's not real. Huh? Some people some people still believe. Hey, it's some okay. people still believe. And that's fine. If that's your belief structure, that's wonderful. But uh, I think that's great. But regardless, you know, there's things that happen to us. There's labels that are put on us. Oh, you should be a doctor or an accountant or blah, 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 right? Or you're just not good enough. And, and there's some we do to ourselves. Oh, I'll never be good at public speaking. Or I'll never be good at dance. Right. And and it, all of this it, are things that we need to unlearn yeah. in order to be our authentic selves. And that's one yeah. reason why the process of letting go, particularly those habits that do not serve us, is so freeing and joyful because you're actually getting back to that whole and perfect human being that you are. So true, man. I, I love that. You know, it's such a, it's such a refreshing perspective, especially today, like I said, where we're so concerned with what more do I need to do as opposed to seeing the value of empty space, you know, of letting things go, of not doing something of the other side, which again, is not obvious, but it is so incredibly valuable. You know, it's like, <clears throat> I say, when you're listening to music, the reason you hear the music you could say it's because of the notes being played, but you could also say that it's because of the space between the notes. That's right. If there weren't space between the notes, you wouldn't be able to understand what the rhythm or the melody was. It would just be a, <laughs> just be a... <laughs> it'd be this constant, you know, yeah. So, basically. You know, both are important. So it's really Absolutely. cool. You know, value, value, value the pause. I call it the art of the pause. Yeah. Value yeah. the pause. And whether that be the pause that you create and self-reflection, because again, as I mentioned in the book, um, self-reflection is a growth tool. Yeah. You know, just like exercise. And, and when you're doing athletics, you don't build muscle in the moment. You build muscle during rest and restoration. Yeah, that's reflection. true. The same thing, you know, when the growth cycle mentally or anything that you're going on that involves intellectual, it's, we don't, we do not learn through experiences. Experiences is not the best teacher. It's evaluated experiences. Mm. Actually reflect on that. And, and in yoga, you'll notice that a lot of times they'll focus on the breathing. The breath between the movement is just as valuable as the movement itself. Um, same thing in speaking. Public speaking. The best speakers use the pause very intentionally. Yeah. I just talk like this all the time and run through your thing. That would be horrible. Can you imagine? No, it's so true. It's, I love how you said we don't learn through from experience. We learn from reflecting experiences. That's, that is so true. I mean, it's because you could keep doing something over and over again and not learn squat, you know, That's right. but, uh, unless you have the ability to critically evaluate what happened uh, after the fact, obviously, you know, and, and practice it again, you know? So yeah, that, that's, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of there's so much that we need to unlearn <laughs> that doesn't yeah. serve us. And and really what I love about the whole process is this. While human beings love to overcomplicate the simple, growth is not complex. 
is actually about removing the complexity. And mm. I, I'm not quite sure people understand it that way. Mm. Take, for example, mindfulness or morning routines. Well, some of them are crap, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> if I see another five minute morning routine or 10 minute or 15 minute, I'm like, I'm going to throw up, really. People give me a break. Get spiritual uh, in five I, minutes. Yeah. So you should meditate for one minute and then read for one minute and then set your intention for another minute. I was like, are you crazy? That's pants to a very distracted, over hyperactive, high beta brainwave, crazy society. No, yeah. absolutely not. Give yourself some silence. Just practice the pause and reflect. And do that periodically throughout the day. In fact, I call it brain breaks. And I found this out the hard way. I am the recipient of several concussions thanks to my endeavors in cycling, competitive cycling. And the last concussion I had was quite bad. It was a compounded concussion. And it took me 18 months to recover. And wow. I am glad to report that I recovered over 100%. Now, what do I mean by that? Basically, the cognitive function I had prior to the concussion, directly prior to it, is not as adept and sharp as my cognitive function now. Wow. Yeah. How'd you do that? <laughs> Good question. So a lot of things. One, I did a stinking load of research because, and I don't care who gets offended right now, but doctors don't, a lot of them do not know enough about concussions and, and brain function and neuroscience. Yeah. So I did a lot of study because the, you know, they, they, you go to the ER and they go, oh, you're fine. And then, then later you have brain swelling because the brain swelling doesn't kick in immediately. Wow. It happens later. So I sat around a week with ice back on my head and couldn't look at anything. I had to sit around my flows because your eyes are actually responsible for a vast majority of your cognitive function. So a lot of processing work going on here visually. Vision takes up a lot of brain function. So in order to reduce that, let my, let my brain heal, no computer, no phone, no TV, nothing for several weeks. Wow. I think it was about a month. And That's an eternity then, in today's world. <laughs> yeah, was, I actually wrote a, a blog about it on my uh, cycling blog, velofilm.com, which I admit I have not focused a great deal on lately. But I wrote a, I wrote a blog about it. I need to write the, the sequel to that blog because I was about halfway through my, my um, healing process. And then after that, I started developing a process by which to heal. One, I allowed myself lots of sleep because that's when your brain heals. Yeah. Okay, just sleep. I was sleeping 12, 14, 15 hours a day. And I let myself do that because that's when your brain heals. If you don't allow your brain to do that, you won't heal. <laughs> and you'll have permanent brain damage. You don't want that. I also took lots of brain types of foods. I did my re research, selenium, collagen, yeah. blueberry extract. Who knew? Now, all these types of vitamins and minerals that the brain uses to develop and heal. And the nerves and our nerve functions as well. So optimal nerve function and brain function. So I was taking all that, lots of sleep. And it also did not work for a long sense of period of time. I would only work for about an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes roundabout, I would take a break. Fast forward to today when I have optimal cognitive function and every now and then I'll just sit here and go, wow, I am so amazed how much I can do in a day. Yes, yeah, that's I'm crazy. Talking. But I can do so much. I'm so so happy about that because I'll be honest with you. There was a time 
where I didn't know if I would ever be the same again. That's scary, and man. Yeah. It's a scary time and you really have to accept yourself and go, okay, I will do yeah. the best I can with what I have. But I'm very, very so thankful to report that that is not how I see my life now. And um, but I still, I still take brain breaks because even the normal, healthy, functioning, whole, perfect brain cannot sustain heavy task positive work. Yeah, you need to take time. breaks. How often do you take breaks throughout the day? I take at least three breaks a day. So one mid morning, one at lunch, an intentional break. I don't yeah. eat at my desk. I don't think about work. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go sit on the porch, talk to my husband, walk around the yard, feed the birds, go for a walk around the block, whatever. Yeah. Just completely different. Even laundry, something that you don't have to think about. Something physical not, and in the yeah. In the, yeah, that's not something you have to cognitively process. <laughs> yeah. And then mid afternoon. And those three breaks make me much more productive for much longer. I'm able to get so much done. I, I will create a list of things to do for every day and I scratch off everything. <laughs> so satisfying to do an actual yes, physical list. It's so wonderful. Yeah. Just hey. interacting with your <laughs> tasks and throwing them away. <laughs> You know that dopamine shot. I could yeah. I manage my task. Woohoo. It's a great feeling. But yeah, so that was um an interesting journey. And I will probably I probably do need to put more focus in sharing that with the world because there are so many people that have had concussive events and are still suffering negative repercussions from that. And there is a healing process. And I'm no doctor. Okay, let's get that straight. Yeah. I am no doctor. I just I did a lot of research and helping myself heal and i'm just so amazingly happy and grateful <laughs> that my research paid off that roi was worth it <laughs> yeah i mean i'll tell you the health there's nothing more valuable than health that's that's your first pillar and if that's out of whack i mean that's your currency to convert everything else you know we get so caught up in all these like esoteric like achievement and confidence and you know authenticity and they're all important but there's a pyramid of human needs, right? I mean, there's a bottom is like health and safety. You know, you have to right. have stability and, and consistency in your, in your energy field and be uh, consistent. Otherwise, you know, you, you can't maintain anything. So I think health, that's why I put such an emphasis on everything because health is really, uh, it's so important. It's just so important. You have to paramount. That's right. In fact, I think they did a study and I don't quote me on this, but I believe they did a study on, most effective leaders and most effective leaders, for example, have some form of exercise regime. Now, not yeah. everybody enjoys exercise. I get that. Uh, you know, not everybody's like me who just loves to you know move in my body. I mean, that's what it's here for. I mean, it's not human beings are not created to sit in front of a computer screen. Okay, yeah. swear. <laughs> they were not. Um, and it doesn't bring joy. It does not spark joy for everybody. Regardless, it's so important to have something to keep your body healthy because that is the foundation, as you mentioned, for everything else. Now, I don't mention it in my book, but it is so incredibly important to have yeah. that health first mentality. And here's the thing, there's a little secret side effect that you may not have considered when you don't put your health first. You're also more likely to compromise on other things that you should be putting yourself first for as well. Mm. Like, like what's a good example? 
well okay for example right now we have lots of individuals who are you know employed and working ridiculous hours they have no boundaries about that they're working crazy hours and some of that's survivor guilt you know oh my god i have a job therefore i should work all these crazy hours and wear 14 different hats and do everybody's work because i'm afraid i'm going to get it is a fear it's fear-based and they are crushing their boundaries you know totally ignoring them and also sabotaging their own health so if you put let's say for example your health first let's just say you you had a routine of going for walks or maybe it's yoga or whatever that looks like for you you would probably have that as that set habit during the week you say okay now it's time to stop work i'm going to do my yoga or i'm going to go for a walk or i'm going to go for a run or bike ride or whatever and this helps you have those healthy boundaries to have balance you know mother nature demands a balance yeah and if we do not provide that balance in our life it will happen for you and oftentimes not in the way you would prefer yeah they'll they'll find a way to even the system out eventually nature always figures it out (laughs) that's right so true so good final question for you what are you most grateful for today Oh, wow. How long do you have? Uh, <laughs> I mean, however long you want to go. I can only pick one. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I can only Let's say like right now in this very right moment. Right now in this space. Yes. In this space. What I'm going to say will seem overly simplistic. I'll give you a reason why. I am grateful for the fact that I am warm. Let me explain why something so simplistic came out of my mouth. Because we ignore it. <laughs> that is why. Something so simplistic. Why am I grateful for something just being warm? Okay. We take so much of life for granted. Yeah. Oh, I just have the fastest smartphone. I have the fastest computer. We should all we should all have access to whatever it is that we think we should have access to. Nothing in life is guaranteed. I guaranteed by a toaster. Okay. So being grateful for those small things. You know what the first thing I'm grateful for in the morning? A nice, comfortable bed. It's not that I was deprived as a child. It's just I am eternally grateful and joyful for just about dang near everything. <laughs> so I hopefully, you know, those of you who are tuning in can also find gratefulness and joy and dang near everything. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, right now it's cold and I'll ride my bike sometimes around town and, you know, some of these parts are a little, little shadier, obviously, you know, there's different parts of the neighborhood, but, uh, it just, it sucks, you know, seeing these homeless people, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, man, you know, it's going to get cold at night That's right. and, you know, and you get back home and you get your nice cushy home and you got your warm meal and your warm bed that's cozy and waiting for you. And it's like, holy smokes. I mean, there's people that have to create a tent with a shopping cart and some makeshift cardboard and blankets and hope to God they don't freeze to death that night. It's like that, right. that sucks. <laughs> that's a real, and it's not really real, a choice for some of yeah, them. It's not a choice. You know, and some of you, you know, with a lot of people say, Oh, the choices they made led them there. Yes. And no, I mean, we could have a whole nother episode about that, but you know, there's, there's so much we take for granted with our, our Walmarts and our Costco's that are, instant gratification through amazon yeah doesn't have to be that way yeah 
exciting coming up for you? Exciting coming up for me is yeah, my project book launch. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A book, but that's on the 27th, right? It's on the 27th of January. And nice. Oh, looking. This episode will be so the book will already be out by the time we launch this. So yes, absolutely. So you can find it on Amazon. It's Elevate Your Career for More Impact and Income. And I am so excited to share it with the world because out of all the self-help books I read, and there are so many and they're really good, is I do necessarily see a process. You know, like, oh, there's lots of good theory here. We're talking some good language. And how do I apply this? You know, just make it simple for me. Just tell me what to do because there's so much going on in our lives. We don't need to figure this out. So yeah. I also I combine a host of different um, things in the book. It's very quick read. I share my story. I share the top common roadblocks people experience. Oftentimes things we think we should be doing in our careers that stand in our way for elevating those said careers. And how to leverage straightforward, specific, yet very simple changes to make very significant outcomes. And you'd be surprised. You'd just be amazed. It's something so small and so simple and just make such a huge income out, 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 outcome and lead to better income as well. So, and so it's, I'm just very excited and, and I might make it a series. You never know. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Maybe you could go with the whole elevate theme, like elevate right. your career, elevate your, you know, blank life, whatever, you know. Right. Elevate, cool. find career clarity, elevate. Yeah. You know, Find a better job, elevate, whatever. <laughs> elevate your mindset. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I like it. I'm sure somebody's taken that one already, but that's okay. All right, all right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode, everybody. You know, to bring our dreams to life, to express what we want in the service of others and to benefit others, this is the heart of every business, every career, every entrepreneurship endeavor, everything that you do, you know, ultimately is about really giving value to other people. But to really do this successfully, you know, to be successful in this definition is two parts. One of them is to know who you are, which is internal and what you stand for, what you believe, and also understand how to get there, which is all the external, you know, hacks and strategies and habits and what to do when, that kind of stuff. Both are important. Obviously, both are very important. So I hope this episode has given you a little bit of both today. We covered the gamut on a lot of great things. If you want to get in touch with Erin, she's at coacheurban.com. And again, this is episode 235. So if you want to, all the links and things go to the the show notes at danceoflife.com slash podcast. And she can uh, she has her free work style alignment guide there, and also a coaching special coaching offer for anybody who's listening. So if you want to take it to the next level and really uh, dive in deep one on one, you can check that out all on the show note for today. Don't forget Ariana Huffington and her great reminder: fearlessness is like a muscle. I know from my own life that the more I exercise it, the more natural it becomes to not let my fears run me. You know, one of the books that I released. Well, actually, I released two books last year in 2020. One of them was huge, huge book, Dance Your Way Through Life. Self-promotion for me now is shameless promotion. If you haven't gotten a book, go check it out, danceyourwaythroughlife.com. You get a little time with me there as well, but really great resource. 16 years worth of biohacking and personal growth in that book. But 
two books, really. It was a companion book that was supposed to be a chapter in this big book, but I didn't have the room because I reached my publishing maximum for my page count is what it was. So I ended up writing a second book and it was a crazy story. So it comes with, you get two books if you go and order it, but it's a crazy, crazy life story of like the three months in 2020 that were just absolutely bonkers for me. But uh, great story on finding your life purpose, persevering, you know, removing limiting beliefs and, you know, from my own life. And so you can go check that out. But anyway, the title of the book is Life is Good. And the whole point is, you know, it works out for you in the end. You have to just act on what you believe. And, and the big emphasis is act. You have to take action. You know, ultimately we we get hung up in believing something but not acting. Or we act on things that we don't believe in, right? I mean, we're we're inauthentic with ourselves. We do things that we don't believe are valuable, but we just do it necessarily because we, we want to get paid or whatever else. And sometimes, most of the time, we settle for getting paid less than what we would deserve. These types of things eat away at you. Uh, you know, if you're in a job where you're getting paid less when, than what you know you deserve, then this is going to eat away at you. It's going to eat away at your soul. So I've been there many times, not there right now, thank goodness. But those are times to really be brave and practice that fearlessness muscle. So Hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you tune in on Tuesday, a little Transformation Tuesday. We're going to take this conversation a little further into more ethereal grounds. We're going to be talking about cultivating your life purpose. So important, you know, knowing who you are and how to discover your purpose. On Tuesday, I'm going to share a couple of things that have been valuable in my life. Uh, and on Friday, I'm going to interview author, speaker, and educator, Dr. Derek Love on how to create purpose in your life and how to find faith and struggle, how to stay strong, how to know yourself, how to not lose yourself. You know, all that stuff is so relevant, especially in the context of this conversation that we just had today. So make sure you tune in. I'll see you on Tuesday. Until then, your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.